Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So this is going to be an interesting day for me and for others, I think, because, you know, what was it? A couple weeks ago, Rondé Barber was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was cool. They announced it at the NFL Honors out at the Super Bowl in Arizona. And... We get a chance, the media, they're going to have their media day at Valspar. And, of course, he's part of that group over there. And we're going to have a chance to talk to Ronnie Barber in the flesh, like in person, about being elected to the Hall of Fame, uh, about his plans for what I hope will, you know, will be a, <laughs> the greatest eight-minute speech you've ever heard um, because I've limited those guys now. Uh, what, kind, you know, what kind of party he might have? Hell, he might be the entertainment uh, at the parties for all we know. So I haven't caught up with Rondé in quite a while. Like even during the the nomination process or election process, you know those guys were sort of sworn to secrecy. They 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 couldn't be interviewed prior to to the Super Bowl because they had the knock on the door, which is a TV show that's coming up um, where Derek Brooks went to his door and and informed him he had he had reached the Hall of Fame. And so they they were kind of in this cone of silence. It was the worst kept secret in Tampa Bay. Okay, because I think everybody knew. Right. Like you tell, you know, tell a friend. Right. And then telephone. And there you go. Next thing you know, everybody knows. But, um, you know, there's a lot about Rondé that has changed, obviously, since he since he stopped playing. Um, And yet I think this is going to be one of the best weekends for him and for anybody that's around him that knows him. He's going to finally let it go because there. For the Hall of Fame, the thing about the Hall of Fame is this. You can't, when your career is over, you know, there's really nothing left to attain, right? Like you're done playing, you've won a Super Bowl, you've been to Pro Bowls, all that stuff. You have a resume that's Hall of Fame worthy, 48 interceptions, uh, 27 um, or 26 or whatever it was, 27 sacks. Like all this stuff, right? 16 years you played. 215 consecutive starts, signature play with a 92-yard touchdown in the NFC Championship game. Like, all of that is on the board. It's there. It's it's there for everybody to look. And you know that your credentials are worthy. All-decade team, Super Bowl champion, right? All of that. And there's nothing you can do. Like, you can't go out there and make one more tackle. You can't make one more interception. It's up to these, what amounts to with the various electorate, and there are about 44 guys or girls, guys and girls, in a room and there are five modern day candidates and there are every year starts at a hundred, you know, gets whittled down to 25, then 15 finalists that they vote on. And it's, it's out of your hands. And and it's very frustrating because clearly there's more people who are hall of fame worthy out of 15 than spots each year. There's five. And so, you know, typically the more you're in the finalists that it's, it's, you know, a matter of time, because a lot of those guys, if not all of them, are Hall of Fame worthy, and they're going to get in. So it's a matter of when. And that was the case with Rondé. But, you know, him getting in, I think, is that's the piece that verifies or validates, I should say, the Bucks as one of the greatest defenses of all time. 
because we, I think we talked about this, Steve. Like the Bears, I want to say, well, first of all, the Steelers have five, right? The Steel Curtain. They won four Super Bowls. Um, the Ravens, who were considered one of the best defenses of all time in 2000, they have two because Ed Reed joined them, you know, joined later. And then the Bears, I think, have three, if I'm not mistaken, maybe four, but three or four um, with Chicago from the 85 Bears defense. That's that's really pretty high praise that you got four, and I would argue they could have five. They probably should have five if you look at the numbers. I don't. I think I think Simeon Rice will not get in because of that. Right, I do too. A team that won one Super Bowl isn't going to get five defenders in. Mm. Yep, mm-hmm. and th- and that's a shame that that's the way we look at things. Right, but it is. Mm-hmm. It will be in that room. Yeah, it, it absolutely will be. But unless you start putting more Bears in or more Ravens in, but I also think that's why it took John Lynch and Rondé Barber so long to get in as well. I do too. Yeah. I mean, you know, they they weren't not even first time finalists to get in. You know, when they right. when they finally became a finalist, it took them a while, and I think a lot of it was because of Brooks, because of Sap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you won one Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, Rondé is you know him finally getting to let as you said, everyone in town knew it. Anybody who had any yeah. connections with within sports yeah. knew that he was going in. Right, um, and credit to everybody for keeping that secret. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't like defended. Nobody said, "Oh, he's in." Before mm-hmm. he was in, no, 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 it, it was. But um, yeah, he'll finally get a chance to speak on it here mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay, and it's going to be great to hear what he has to say and how he's feeling about it. Yeah, I heard him on an interview. Uh, I think it might have been on DAE, but he was uh, he was hyping. Uh, you know, you get in the Hall of Fame now. That everybody asks you, "Well, who do you think?" He was saying Monty Kiffin should be a Hall of Fame. And there, there's not – I don't know the answer to this question. I Seriously, I don't. Um, if there are assistant coaches in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I would I would wager there might be, but um, it depends. Like Dick LeBeau, right, was an assistant coach, but he was in as a player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. I believe he went in as a player. Um, so there are guys, but but, you know, and Monty's in the ring of honor. And he kind of was – the problem that Monty suffers from is that it's a little bit – and I'm not comparing these things because Eric Bieniemy is – you know, there's a whole racial component to that and all that. Um, but just as, you know, Andy Reid gets credit for the Kansas City Chiefs offense, I think Tony Dungy got credit for the defense. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. Monty, he wanted um, to run the defense, and he let him run it. He let him call it. Like, that was the thing. But him and Monty had worked together in Minnesota, so he knew what he was getting. And, you know, and, and he trusted him. And Monty did the rest. So I I think that's what would hurt him if they did, in fact, even consider assistant coaches, and they don't. And you can get in because there's a contributor category um, as well as, um, you know, coaches and things like that. But – I, I just think that Dungy's going to probably take a little bit more of the light than from Monty than to, to to hold him up as you know the architect that he was, and he was he was sort of the mad scientist and everything. But um, that's that's who I think when we talk to Rondé today, I think he'll be on that train again. I think he'll be talking about, and Simeon as well. But I think he'll be talking about Monty Kiffin. And in some ways, it might be easier to get Monty Kiffin than Simeon because he's not a player, and you could say, well. 
you know, this guy was such a great coach for a long time. He deserves it. I don't think there are any. Back I, and look. I just did a quick search. I don't think there are any assistant coaches. I don't believe there is either. I, and, and just off the top of my head, I mean, there's just some 300 and I don't know. Yeah, I'm reading an article saying, you people. know, showing some coaches. You know, you said Dick LeBeau. He's um, one. Yeah. Buddy Ryan. But didn't go in as a coach. Yeah, but I'm saying that, you know, Bud Carson. Buddy Ryan was a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Bud Carson, right. Wade Phillips. Also a head coach. Yeah, I mean, Wade a lot of these guys were head coaches, but they weren't necessarily successful as head coaches where you consider Hall right, of Fame, right. but they were, you know. They, this article even lists Tom Moore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's still working. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Still at the Bucks. Now, I think it's if it if it does happen one day, um, if it hasn't already, and we could be wrong about this, but if, uh, if it does happen one day, it'll be largely because they, they created, you know, the contributor category. Like coaches used to be in there with the five modern-day players, and it was impossible to get a coach in because people, when, when pressed against it, like, look, I'm going to vote for a player over a coach, right? Players play. They make plays. They're the ones that are responsible for winning and losing. Coach is great. You know, if you're not Don Shula, right, or you're not Vince Lombardi, like, what do I care? So then when they added the contributor category, which includes owners and general managers and coaches and, mm-hmm. you know, referees, um, whatever, and people around the game, Steve Sable, you know, mm-hmm. um, that made it more possible uh, and likely that you could get some coaches. And we have had some of late, Jimmy Johnson, right, um, Bill Cower, and so forth. So the next rung of that will be if somebody gets an assistant in, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. It should. But it, it should because – Listen, I mean, head coaches get the credit, and they should, and they hire the staffs, but they don't always run the team. They, they, you know, the thing about football is, you know, there are different types, right? You'll have the coordinator who also is the head coach, whether it's offense or defense, and you have the CEO head coach that kind of oversees everybody else's work, and they have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. So it's kind of depending on the structure of your of your organization. But typically, you know, you merge these two teams together. The defense meets by themselves. They don't meet with the offense. You bring them, the group together at some point a couple times during the week. But for the most part, you have two separate teams. And Monty Kiffin ran the defense, which was the success of the Buccaneers because they were never very good, to say the least, uh, on offense until you know John Gruden was able to do some things and add a few players. And you know, towards the end of the year, not during the year, but towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, they were able to score some points. But again, all you got to do is look at that Super Bowl or the Philadelphia Eagles game, and you say, how'd they win? Well, they, they always won with defense. Defense was the reason, which would have made Monty one of the most you know valuable coaches in, in football, and not just for that year, but for the 10 years that they were really, really good. So uh, I think we'll hear a lot about that from Rondé and, and other things too. Um, a lot of, lot of fun stories that will be told and, uh, and retold by the time we get to Canton um, sometime up there in August. So, But... Without further ado, we have your mailbag questions today. We'll get to a few of them, uh, as many as we can here in the brief time that we have together. Uh, And I think these are going to be pretty interesting (laughs) ones from what I understand today. So as you know, uh, all these questions are answered 100% correctly or your money back. Let's get started. First of all, we'll start with Gerald, who had emailed Mm -hmm. you. He says he enjoys the podcast every morning uh, to start his day. Yeah, he does. And mm-hmm. he and he wants to make sure that his question is going to be answered 100% correct because of your money-back okay. guarantee. Okay. He asks, how many years has May Electric Solar been serving our community? Seems to me they've been stuck on 12 years in the business for at least a few years in the podcast sponsorship ads. 
By the way, I did reach out to May Electric Solar a few months ago for a solar quote, and I appreciated their honesty that with our large, our five large 100-plus-year oak trees, we were not a good candidate for solar. He says, keep up the good work, and he's actually a former neighbor of yours. So, Yeah, he lived in the Jungle Prada area, and there's a reason why they call it Jungle Prada, because of his five <laughs> oak trees. Seriously, this place is, is somewhere near Park Street. I don't know if you're familiar with Northwest St. Petersburg. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of near Admiral Farragut. You know, you go, if you were to go north from there, uh, down Park Street, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, uh, and, and then a little bit to the east, there's a jungle, jungle Prada area, um, where there are a lot of large oak trees and good for May Electric Solar. It doesn't just say, oh yeah, there's enough light here. Uh, sure. Yeah. No problem. We can put them up there and, uh, you know, and, and here's the bill. As far as like the years go. I don't know, Steve. We might have to we have to do a little math here, and I'm not good at math. And it seems to me they've been around. You know, the script that I was given and you were given was 12 years, but now we've been doing them since what 2022, right? Well, we yeah we start we actually have not done their ads for years. It's been since right. July one that they started sponsoring this podcast. I think a couple of years ago they did, but we used a different script at that point. Yeah. Uh, so, but they actually they were founded in 2006. Uh, but they didn't start the solar work till 2010, so I guess we do need to update that to 13 years in the business. I think now. Maybe it's 13 years, yeah. and we don't know what month they started solar work. Correct, it could could be later this year. But let's go ahead and give them credit. Yeah, I can make that change. That's easy enough to do. Yeah, but it was great yeah. to hear that uh, May Electric Solar was honest with them too. That's huge. That's huge. And, and when you're buying something that you're probably unfamiliar with, like uh, solar energy, you want somebody you can trust. And yes, that segues perfectly into our spot, which is that May Electric Solar is a family-owned business. They've been doing it now, as we do the math, 13 years. And there's a lot of these fly-by-night companies, but they're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. So they're going to be around for a while, like three more decades. And if you do install them, every installation gets $750 worth of surge protection. That's the main difference. You visit their Hutchins showroom. They got one up there in Pasco. Uh, May Electric displays all their products. You can conduct on-site testing. They show you what they're going to install, or in this case, not install because you have big oak trees. And it just won't work. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know those are all Billy Mays guys up there doing the job. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. And when you get that estimate, if, again, those oak trees are blocking everything, they can't, they will tell you. Um, you but otherwise, for all of you folks, you can lower your electric bill, believe me, all year long and preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. I love it when people ask questions about our sponsors. That leads us right where we want them to go. Absolutely. Well, here's another question about our full money-back guarantee of 100% correct. Mm. Uh, yeah. Robbie had uh, emailed you. He said, what's the knock on Baker Mayfield? From what I've seen, he should be right there in the top tier with Derek Carr. Dysfunctional teams like Cleveland or Carolina can make any quarterback look bad. What are the Bucks' chances of being able to sign and pay Mayfield, do you think? And how do you think he would perform here? Um, now, is this, this guy mentioned, did he mention the money-back guarantee? And then he said, and please remember, I expect the full guarantee of 100% correctness. Okay, here's the thing, because you mentioned this before we came on the podcast. I want to make sure people understand the 100% thing, because they are answered 100% correctly 
Um, and we guarantee it, but we guarantee your money back. Think about what I'm telling you, folks. Um, yes, you can't forget the money back part of yeah, the quote. It's, it's, Hello? it's like you said. Yeah, it's like you said earlier to me. You go, well, Herm Edwards, you know, it wasn't, you play to win the game. But everybody forgets, and Herm had said this to me, the best part was not that. It was, hello, that's what makes it, right? Like, if you're going to do Herm, you can't just say, you play to win the game. you got to follow it up with, hello. So you got to follow it up with, or your money back. Get it? So, Baker Mayfield. I think that quarterbacking in this league, okay, a lot of times, the success or failure there there of of said quarterback coming into the league has a lot to do with where they go, period, right? And typically, the higher you're drafted, the crappier team you're going to show up at. And the thing about the quarterback position is, while the great ones seem to make people around them better, and they do, um, it's still even for them, the most dependent position on the football field. If you think about a quarterback, like, he can't do anything without everyone doing their job. I mean, literally, you know, like, he doesn't snap the ball to himself. The center has to do that. Um, He doesn't protect himself to the degree that, yeah, maybe he can scramble out of trouble or extend a play or something like that if he's athletic enough. But for the most part, he's trusting guys in front of him to create a pocket and give him time to read and make those reads and make the throws, right? And then when he does throw the ball, he doesn't catch it. He's not on the other end of it. So so he's relying on guys to make plays, to read the the rotation of the defense as, you know, after post-snap and and get to their spots and then make catches in traffic, get hit, come up, you know, hang on to the ball. Like all of that is nothing the quarterback can do by himself. So it's the most dependent uh, position on the field. Um because if I'm blocking somebody, I you know maybe I have I'm passing a guy off. Maybe there's a stunt or something where I need my teammate to work with me, and that does happen. But for the most part, I got to block my guy. You know, if it's man to man, like I got to win. So there's a lot of those matchups individually going on in the field. But the quarterback, quarterback needs everybody to do it right. Because if you have a false start, if you have a bad route, if you have a drop pass, if you have a bad snap, like there's so many things that the quarterback is depending on. And this is a long way of saying Baker, Baker Mayfield was that guy, right, taking, what, first overall, I believe, um, and Heisman Trophy winner, Oklahoma, all that stuff, a lot of hype. And he goes to the Cleveland Browns, and not the Cleveland Browns you think of today, the Cleveland Browns that were losing 16 games, 15 games, right? And several coaching changes later, um, even Todd Munkin, who just went to the Ravens that we know from the Bucks and the University of Georgia Bulldogs, he was there one year with Freddie Kitchens, and Freddie was calling the plays. Um, the year after that, Baker took his team to the playoffs and had a really good year. But, you know, then you get injuries, right? He had the injury with, with the shoulder. Um, they brought in, what, Odell Beckham Jr., I think. There's, you know, pressure to get the ball to him. Um a lot of things happen to quarterbacks in this league, and a lot of them are beyond their control. Has he been what he was drafted to be? No, no. When you take a guy first, you really are hoping that he's a, you know, like a you know, 
a transcendent player. Like he he's going to make your franchise just better, right? He's the face. He's the he's the tone setter. All of that. Um, and that did not happen for the Browns. Since then, I think he's gone to bad football teams, right? I mean, he went he went to the Carolina Panthers, and Matt Rule got fired very quickly, and they were trying every quarterback after that. And then he shows up for a couple of weeks, has a week of practice against you know with the Rams and Sean Payton, and what he can do as a play caller, and wins his first start out there which was ridiculous that he was able to come in, know no one, and jump right in right away that week and win a game, win a football game, which I believe was against the Raiders. So I've known Munkin for a while. I know when he was in Cleveland. I know how much he liked Baker, and he liked his intangibles as well. Um, so I, I think he's gotten a little bit of a bad rap, and I think he's one of those guys. It's not really a Geno Smith comparison because Geno was, you know, Drafted in the second mid mid second round, um, a lot of baggage they they claimed. I don't know if it was true, you know, coming out of West Virginia, attitude stuff, you know, not working out as hard as you should, like that sort of thing. Um, and he went to a bad football team too with the Jets, and they got hurt. He got punched once, and then he, you know, tore his ACL. So I don't I don't really think this is a Geno thing. I think Baker Mayfield could have a second act. And everybody said, well, you had a second act. It was Carolina. When he got, mm, I don't really count Carolina last year. I just don't. I just, I think he was more that guy that went for a week with a good football team and a good coach with the Rams than he was what when he was in Carolina with Matt Rule, you know, and, and then afterwards he was already benched. So I would be willing to think that you know, the Bucks looked into him several years ago when they thought, or last year actually this time, when they thought Tom was going to stay retired. Now that he's not, he's a free agent. I don't know what his money's going to be. I don't. It's not going to be, in my opinion, in the thirty, forty, forty-five million dollar range. He doesn't have that sort of leverage. I don't think he'd have to develop a market, and there will be one for him because of his name, because of his pedigree. People did their work coming out of college. They liked him then. They're going to take a flyer on him, and I would think the Bucks would be one of those teams because he was on their list before. Um, now that doesn't mean. He's number one or two or three. I don't know where he would be. Uh, and and it probably changes with Dave Canales in here too, right? Like he might have his own opinions about quarterbacks that may or may not include Baker Mayfield. But Baker's in that mix of guys that aren't going to cost you $40 million, like Jimmy Garoppolo who would be probably 30-something million, Geno Smith, 30-something million, um, likely to sign back with Seattle. Uh, clearly Derek Carr is going to get in the $40 million range. And and then somewhere below that is is maybe going to be a market for Baker Mayfield that may may or not may or may not be developed by the time we get to the signing day um, on what March fifteenth I believe or thirteenth is that Wednesday whatever that is so I'm I'm kind of bullish on the guy like I'd be curious to see what he could do with this group I really would and I don't know if Can- what Canales's evaluation will be but. With these receivers, if they can protect it up and run the ball a bit, which I think they're going to be more committed to doing, that's why he's here. Um, and let's face it, he's a hell of a personality. His commercials are great. I think it'd be fun to cover, right? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, what are you looking at? A, a Jacoby Brissett, right? Who's in that second tier, okay? Um, it, it's just not a... 
a very exciting group necessarily. It doesn't mean they won't, you know, you couldn't get somebody in here to, to what you're hoping for is that there's a, another Geno Smith story. There's another comeback player of the year story, right? And Dave Canales coached Geno. And I think it's more likely that, you know, like the other quarterback, Drew Locke, would be coming here besides before Geno. But you're hoping that you can find someone like that that Canales can then turn around the way he helped Smith turn around. Does that make sense? So I'm – I think the Bucks probably like Baker. I d- we haven't talked to Canales. We'll do that Wednesday. Um, but he'd have to be on a short list of, of guys you think a you can afford and b might have you know might have a, a, another act in their in their careers. All right, Steve had tweeted us, and he had a it's a more of a rules question, but he says if a player is giving himself up before the goal line is a time killer, and a defensive player purposely pushes him over it before the offensive player goes down, is this a touchdown? If the defensive player were to push him over before he were to go down, if the ball crosses the plane and the runner is not down by contact, uh, yes. Now, but if he's given himself up. If you're giving up, yourself up, are you down as soon as you give yourself up? I guess that's I think really you're the down question. When you hit, yeah, I think you're down when you begin to give yourself up. Like You could get an unnecessary roughness penalty if you're if you're smashed and a guy is mm-hmm. clearly giving himself up in a sliding position, so the the problem you get in there is what you're 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 kind of vulnerable to a penalty if you come up and you push for, push him from behind when he's trying to go down and and go into the field of play and just give himself up like that. That's that's where that's a, a fine line that the referees would have to determine whether you used unnecessary roughness to then try to catapult him you know into the end zone. They could throw a flag on you. I don't know where they would mark the ball, probably short of the goal line because he did give himself up. Um, it would be a bang-bang thing. Like I can't give you an absolute because you'd have to show me the play. you know. But I think just in general what you're asking is somebody forcibly pushing a guy who is giving himself up to go down into the end zone before they're actually technically down. And the whole idea of giving yourself up is that you're not, you're to, you're not to have contact or forcible contact with that guy. It doesn't sound like you could do both, right? It doesn't sound like he's sliding, but before he gets down, you then somehow, you know, push him or catapult him into the end zone. Uh, that's that's kind of bang bang. You'd have to have an actual replay on that to really make a call. But um, interesting question. I think it would just depend on how it went. Like, had the guy begun his slide? Um, was he still, you know, in a in a in a ball carrying position? Because guys get hit from behind all the time and get and get pushed forward, and they mark the ball where their you know where their forward progress hits or their knee hits or some part of their body, um, which is usually forward. But yeah, in that case, I mean the way they the way they did it with the Chiefs the other night, you know, if somebody had hit him, I think it would have been a penalty. You know? Well, because they would have come from so far away, they weren't close to him at that point. Right, right. And I think they would have marked the ball, you know, the one yard line, and they would just taken a knee. You know, like they did anyway. So it would be hard to do. It'd be hard to push a guy in if a guy is intent on giving himself up and not draw a penalty for it, I think. Just as I just as I work through that image in my mind. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, Michael had a question for us. He says, what's going to happen to the Rays and Lightning games if Valley Sports goes bankrupt? I don't know, Steve. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would answer this question 100% correctly if I had a clue. We wrote a story about the uh, the various scenarios. Um, I'm not sure. Would you know? You probably know more about the lightning than than um, than I would about it. I don't. I don't, I don't have any. Up. I don't really have any insight as far as inside info. Um, I have read a few yeah. things on it. First of all, uh, Sinclair Group, who owns it, Diamond Sports, basically is what owns that part of the the Sinclair Group for the regional sports networks. I think there's 21 of them all told. Valley Sports. Uh, they've missed a interest payment uh, mid-February, so about a week ago. Um, that starts the process of then they could file for bankruptcy within 30 days at that or at after 30 days at that point. Uh, I think it was a $140 million interest payment. Um, what most likely will happen from what I've read in Sports Business Journal and other places, um, the Bally Sports will continue to operate as they go through bankruptcy, um, pretty much status quo as it is. Uh, but the courts then and the lawyers will try to clean up their balance sheets, whether it's they take on some equity from outside or the court just ends up wiping off some of the debt like they do in bankruptcy to create a more palatable balance sheet, which you know, you're know you not underwater in, where you know the interest payments are more than the cash you have on hand, basically, to pay for. Um, mm. So short term, I don't think you're going to see any changes. Now, there's also talk that possibly the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL could invest in these networks and, and take some ownership in them as well um, mm. because they all have, you know, Bally's has deals with all three of those leagues. So there, there's some, you know, possibilities that could happen. I don't know if it will. Um there's a lot of people smarter than that than me that, that you know that that have that insight and knowledge, um, but it is possible some of the leagues could end up buying a financial interest in it, much like uh, the Red Sox have some interest, in, you know, financial interest in Nesson, and the Orioles and Nationals have financial interest in Masson or uh, um, the Maryland Sports Network. Um, the Yankees own part of Yes Network. You know, I mean that has done throughout sports mostly in the in the really big markets. You know, the Rays don't have an interest in Bally Sports, nor do the Lightning locally. That could change, or the leagues could. So that's a possibility depending on, you know, who has interest in these networks. I mean, it's it's in it's in the NBA and baseball and the Lightning and, and the NHL's best interest to make sure these networks are successful, whether it's owned yeah. by Diamond Sports Group and Sinclair or somebody else buys them. You know, television rights money is where, you know, they still get a a big chunk of the the revenue that these leagues are generating. Right. Um, you know, the NFL is a different deal because every game is nationally televised outside the preseason. So they don't have local television deals. So th- that's where the NFL is a little different, where the NBA, baseball, and NHL thrive on, you know, these local television deals to carry a majority of your games. You know, ESPNs and the TNTs and that get a, get a handful of the games. But most of your games are done locally on your regional network. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we know exactly how this will play out yet. But from a viewer standpoint, I don't think anything's going to change in the foreseeable future. 
Um, there'll be some lawyers and court stuff going on behind the scenes, but the broadcast themselves shouldn't change. Well, I hope I hope not because I mean that's why I have the the network and, mm-hmm. and I have I have um, Spectrum, which you know uh, obviously televises both the Lightning and the Rays. Um, that's a tough one, you know, TV deals and cable deals and and streaming and all that is way above anything I've ever attempted to to explain. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the main thing is that they. You know, did they get the team? They get the games on the air, and that that's so important. Like you said, to the Rays, to the Lightning, to those to those major league teams that have those agreements. So, well, and the one thing that Bally's has going for it, and and I'm actually a subscriber this way, is I actually subscribe directly to Bally's to watch the Lightning and Rays. Okay, so because I I I use YouTube TV at home, so they don't have they don't carry Bally's anymore. They used to, yeah. So I now then pay. I think it's twenty bucks a month to Bally's for the app itself. Or? Yeah, yeah, for the app, and then I get to stream Lightning and Rays games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, actually, I, I bought the annual, so it saved me some money, a couple months discount, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I have that. That intrigues baseball, hockey, the NBA. A right. direct to consumer streaming of a local team, not you know they, you know. ESPN Pluses and MLB TV and all that. I mean, there's been that for years. Yeah. But actually direct to consumer. And then that's one of the things that some investors and, and some equity partners and possibly the leagues are interested in that Bally's has already set up and started. Now, I, I couldn't tell you how successful that is at this point for them. Yeah. But, you know, I, the leagues I do know this. Is, is eventually big. it's going to go direct to consumer. I mean, you know, MLS this year, every game is on Apple TV now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some games may get played on ESPN, but for the most part, it's now a separate deal, just Apple. Um, right. You know, and, and it's that direct-to-consumer just for your league itself, essentially. They're going through Apple with it. So um, that's and what leagues are looking uh, for. And I don't know if this is the same thing, but the NFL net, or NFL, the NFL is going to have uh, their ticket, what used to be their Sunday ticket now on YouTube mm-hmm. yeah. TV. Yeah, yes. Which is um, another, which I don't think you have to be a subscriber to YouTube TV for, but I think no. there's some benefits, whether discount or extra features, if you have YouTube TV and then subscribe to it. So right, but now, right. I mean, for the NFL, this is a win-win. Um, mm-hmm. They're getting more money for it from you from right. Google, YouTube, but two, everybody can get it. I mean, you know, one of the problems with Direct TV is if you didn't have you Direct have TV direct or yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, couldn't put a dish on your house or whatever. That's right. Um, no, they had some ways you could do it if you couldn't, but you know, there's some people that just didn't want to do it, or quite frankly, Directv had to lock into a two-year contract, which a lot yeah, of people right. didn't want to do, including myself, which is one of the reasons I didn't have Directv. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, cha- I mean, you know, they want to lock you into a two-year contract, but yet they'll drop a channel tomorrow and not right. lo- not lower your rate. You know, I mean, YouTube TV the other day, what they dropped MLB Network. Yeah, and that happens and all not, the time. They're not like, lowering uh, the price for me. No, and and that you'd have that all the time with mm-hmm. various uh, cable networks. Like uh, my wife used to work for a, a public relations firm that that mm-hmm. uh, actually she did the campaign for um, the at that time the 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 cable TV network against the NFL network mm-hmm. um, because the NFL network was charging too much, and and the, that particular cable subscriber decided. We're not paying it, and so it was like, 
hey, we've got other games on this network, but they're just not the NFL, and who needs it, right, kind of thing. Or call the NFL if you want them back, and it's their problem. They're charging too much. So those campaigns, you know, those interruptions happen all the time because of contractual um, mm-hmm. negotiations and things. And that's always sort of unwieldy. So, yeah, being able to deal directly, you know, with with a streaming service or an app, you know, would eliminate some of that, if if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can go straight to your consumers and not have to go through that middleman. Right, exactly. Now, you know, the, Isn't the, good for the, the, tra- the trade-off is, well, the trade-off is is that, you know, there's a lot of people that pay for Spectrum yeah, that get Bally's, and Bally's is making money off of that never watch Bally's. That's right. They don't watch sports. Or, they, yep. you know, and there's a lot of channels. I subscribe to YouTube TV. There's a lot of channels that are making money off me mm-hmm. as a subscriber that I'll never watch. watch. Right. You know, pretty much people have their 10 to 12 channels at most that they watch. Yeah. And, and now they have packages, though. Some some of these networks, cable networks or cable um, companies will say, like, you want the sports package, you want the, you know. Well, it's mean? usually an add-on sports. on top of, but yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, over the top, the biggest misnomer now of over the top is, you know, oh, d- dump cable, go, you know, over the top, streaming, mm-hmm. sir. It, th- they're mm-hmm. cable company. YouTube TV is a cable company. It's the, same it's the same thing. thing. Yeah. It's a big package yeah. of a bunch of channels I'm never going to watch for the 10 or 12 right. that I want. That's right. And that's what I pay yep. for. I mean, that's yep. it, it's it's just a different you know way of delivering need, the product. It's not actually I'm gonna a tell different you, product. I'm going to tell you right now what needs to happen. We need to go back to a kinder, simpler time when there were just three channels, man, <laughs> and no remote control. Your kids were the remote control. And, and Dad would say, turn on channel 13. And you go, Turn on channel ten. Turn on channel eight. There was only three networks: CBS, ABC, NBC. That was it, man. And then the occasional weird USF or UF channel, whatever it was called, UHF. Yep, UHF. There you go. I was going to get it eventually with your help. Um, was like channel forty-four, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that would have like the Howard Schnellenberger show on on Saturday nights or Sunday nights, right before Solid Gold Dancers or some crap like that. Um, not that I watched. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, Hey man, it was simple. It was now you didn't, you know, you didn't get, you got the game of the week, man. Like you got one game on Saturday. That was it. You know, Joe Gary, Joel, oh. Tony Kubek, uh, Kirk Caddy, whoever the hell it was. And then, and then Monday night came around, right? Monday night football, then some Monday night baseball. I remember Keith Jackson doing Monday night baseball, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know he's a voice of college football, right? Oh, they wrecked them down, the Yankees. Oh boy, and and then, uh, and then of course the super stations happened, right? Yep. And then it was all WGN, messed up. WGN, the, the TBS. Yeah, the GN, TBS. You got the Braves and the Cubs all the time. I'm, I'm telling you, I watched. And then OR came about with the Mets, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think in the '86 season. <laughs> listen to me. Back in my day, in '86. Um, Howard Johnson, who I played with in college, was part of the 86 Mets, which was still one of the craziest, right, World Series, um, yep. you know, National Championship Series, all that. Like the 86 Mets, they've done books on. Um, and I had OR was on the cable provider. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I think, every Mets game. And if I didn't watch it live, watch this, folks. We had this thing called VCRs. <laughs> You could tape a TV show. It was the greatest thing in the world. 
Now, of course, you don't need one. Yeah, just don't forget to set the VCR to tape it because, you know. Oh, what a disappointment that was. When you come home thinking you had it set and you didn't. Yep. And and, and you missed the game and you you planned your evening around, hey, we're having dinner. we got friends. We're going to come back, man. Everyone's going to bed. I'm going to watch this game. It's like, Something went wrong. It didn't tape. It didn't tape. I remember when the TiVos came out. That was the greatest invention, man. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful was that? But then you just got to make sure no one tells you the score. That was the other tough thing. Uh, and, of course, now, you know, life has changed. But it was a simpler time, yeah. folks. Um, but, yeah. I and now, now my sons the expect their, you know, they, 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 they ask why their minor or their, you know, rec league seven-year-old baseball games aren't live stream. Why can't I watch that at home? <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. Oh, how, how I wish that some of my uh, younger days had been videotaped. I would have loved to have seen those games. My my one oldest son a few years ago came home from school one day, just randomly, you know, gets home, you know, whatever. He's like, is there a kickball game on? I'm like, a kickball, kickball game what? on TV? <laughs> what wow. are you talking about? You know what? He might be on to something. I mean, it might be on the Ocho league. when that comes around, but. <laughs> right. But I mean, they just—they're just so used to everything is streamed, everything's available, everything's every, on TV, uh, yeah. on demand, anytime. Sure. Yeah, you want a movie? Watch one. You know, want to watch the old TV series? Go, go binge. You know, you can do that. Like, you know, seasons one through eighteen on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, we were just—we were that just I would on know a plane. Thirteen-year-old daughter's doing that, but yeah, we were just on a plane today because we we left town for the weekend, so we were flying back. And my kids were right. all upset because some of the games they play on the tablets and stuff require internet, and it didn't work on the plane. Oh, I mean, granted, we could have paid for the internet, but I wasn't going to do that for them. <laughs> oh, you know, there you, you go. You can. <laughs> but, I mean, come like, on, they're, Dad. They're like, what, what? What? What do you mean it doesn't work? I'm like, <laughs> well, you don't There's know how con- easy you have it. Oh, there's a comedian that does a funny bit on that, and I, I apologize for not knowing his name, but people will know that listen to the podcast. It's like, so let me get this straight. You're sitting in a metal tube that's going to go about 600 miles an hour at 38,000 feet, propelled by two massive or four massive jet-fueled engines, okay, and you're going to get to Tampa to Chicago in two hours and 20 minutes, and you're mad because you don't have your cable, you don't have internet? Are we just, are our expectations just a little, little too high these days? Well, I thought I was supposed to have jetpacks to get around by now. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what I was promised as a kid. That's right. Flying cars, that's what I want. <laughs> Where are those damn things? I know. I read about them a couple years ago. Uh, we're spoiled. We're so spoiled. Hey, these are fun. Let's uh, let's keep going. Let's keep this rolling. Um, there's more time this week to uh, do some of these mailbag questions. Send them in to us. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Rondi Barber today at Valspar is going to talk. And tomorrow... We get Dave Canales, the Bucks' new offensive coordinator. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say this, and very, very sincerely, is that he's not hard on the eyes for those of you uh, Buccaneer fans that care about such stuff. Um, I, he's he's a good dude too, um, from what I understand about his family. I haven't talked to him personally yet, but I think you're going to like the person. I don't know if you're going to like his play calling. I can't predict that. 
Um, some people were trying to, you know, I did a profile on him over the weekend. He's a damn good story. I think he's the kind of guy that people will find easy to root for because of what he, what he has done. He's paid his dues 14 years in the league. Um, kind of built to do this. If you read the profile on Tampa Bay.com, Tampa Bay Times, don't know how it's going to work out. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be. That's the biggest key. Maybe we can get into some of that with him on Wednesday. We'll talk about it on the podcast as always. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.